We face, therefore, a moral crisis as a country and a people. It cannot be met by repressive police action. It cannot be left to increase demonstrations in the streets. It cannot be quieted by token moves or talk. It is a time to act in the Congress, in your state and local legislative body, and above all, in all of our daily lives. Hey everyone, this is RJ. This is Achieve Great Things. This week we're bringing you something a little bit different. I chat with my colleague Veronica, who has worked with a lot of foundations, about what foundations can do differently communications-wise in this new political environment. So we share some lessons that we first wrote in a, a Medium piece, which we'll link to, but we really hope you enjoy the conversation, and thanks for listening. Hey everyone, this is RJ, and I'm here with my colleague Veronica. Hello. Hello. Um, Veronica and I were um, talking earlier. We thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about the role of philanthropic communications in this new um, political era that we live in. I think over the past six months or maybe eight months since the election, we ha- we've had a lot of foundation clients who have asked us for advice and who have you know, connected with us to brainstorm about what's going to happen and what's possible and, and where things Uh, where resources and time should be focused, especially fighting against things that people don't believe in or figure out the best way to push, you know, policies they care about. So, Veronica, what do you think is sort of your biggest takeaway about how communications has changed or or maybe the biggest things that you've heard um, from foundations over the past six months or so? Biggest thing that I've been hearing, um, particularly immediately after the election, was just a a lot of questions, a lot of questions about... um, new directions that foundations need to be taking and what their role is going to be now. Was, um, I think a lot of uh, people had expectations for the trajectory of their work and um, having made a lot of progress, um, particularly in the social justice space, um, that there were were hopes that are kind of needing to, to shift around um, given the new administration. And so We've been hearing from a lot of a lot of our foundation folks of um, where that energy does need to be spent, and I think what I've been hearing has been a kind of twofold focus. One is what do we need to defend? What are the things that we've done that we really need to focus our energy on to say, nope, this is important. Let's fight mm-hmm. for it. Um, and then the the second part is around where can we put our energy that isn't necessarily tied to the administration, whether it's at the state level or the local level or um, kind of beyond politics. And so I think those two different streams are where I've really seen foundations yeah. thinking uh, thinking about what they can be doing now. Yeah, it's interesting because the foundations obviously occupy a uh, unique space in that they're non-political but focused on specific issues and probably haven't had to defend much over the past eight to 12 years, you know, Mm -hmm. um, on on a lot of issues and have been used to kind of making progress through working with coalitions of grantees, of course, but, Mm -hmm. you know, have been making progress and probably plan to make more progress. So there was, as a lot of people were, a lot of shock and sort of questioning of things and a lot of strategic reshuffling, as as you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, a lot of 
taking that step back and saying, okay, what, for all the plans that we had, what is really important and where can we put our, our energy? And um, I think foundations are realizing um, in this space how important their role is because the work that they were doing that was often in support of political action um, or, uh, you know, an administration support mm-hmm. that now they have the responsibility to push it where it's not getting the support um, the, that they would hope or, or want at a political level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, so we're, we're sort of drawing from a, a piece that we put together um, about how funders and strategists can sort of um, think a little bit differently about their work in order to counter some of the things that are happening and or mm-hmm. continue to push policy that, that they believe in. So we'll link to that and we'll kind of talk through each one um, as part of this conversation. So the first one that we looked at was a, a pretty big one at, right away in, in January, the mm-hmm. sort of idea of taking taking the fight to the courts. Um, the most the biggest example of that was the, the post-Muslim um, ban kind of protests and, and court actions, which did a lot of good um, to, to stave off some of those um, crazy immigration policies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we've seen anything other than that that's really notable in terms of taking things to the courts, but it'll probably continue. Right. And I think we're seeing a lot of foundations and um, and even more broadly than foundations, but organizations who are anticipating issues that are going to be coming up. Um, realizing that they need to be equipped for with language for how to respond to that um, or be proactive kind of depending on that issue and so seeing these these organizations take the time to figure out where the public stands on these issues and distribute language so that people are at the ready for as soon as a crazy tweet drops that they have something smart and consistent to say um, particularly for foundations so that they can have all their grantees speaking with uh, the, the same voice and sharing those shared messages so that you can move move some of these big ideas along kind of in combating the mercurial reactionary yeah. <laughs> tweets that we're seeing yeah. and all of that. Yeah, and I think the um, it's a good point about them having the message ready because a lot of um, the Muslim ban was sort of an exception because it was such, it was like so egregious to so many people. But some, mm-hmm. a lot of legal debates are a little bit more nuanced. They're a little bit more complex, and um, they don't often gain traction in sort of the national um, conversation. Which is why having a having a message and a communication strategy developed alongside a, a legal or advocacy strategy mm-hmm. is the way to kind of create the most impact. And that's something that that we help help our clients with. Yeah, and I think we're being shown over and over again how much the uh, the truths that or how true the comments um, in the election d- during the election that Trump has said that he finds important or that he's going to change I mean he's following through with them and his administration are doing all those things so how can we learn from some of these things we thought were never going to be possible mm-hmm. um you know even the craziest being able to anticipate and prepare a response to that yeah yeah and i think um it, yeah there's um it, it's hard we're in a totally different reality communications wise and I, I think every guest on this podcast so far has said in some form or another that we're in a totally different 
environment now. And that's part of what is fun about this is we're talking about what we can do. Um, but it's that that is the reality that we've never we never would have anticipated. It's hard to plan against. <laughs> it's hard right. to develop a communication strategy around potentially crazy statements or policies. Mm-hmm. The the second big idea that we kind of um, highlighted in this medium piece was the idea of taking the fight to congressional districts. This is pretty basic policy advocacy, and it's how a lot of um, movements are organized. But um, I think in this in this area, the the healthcare fight that I think now is dead. A lot of organizations took, you know, went district by district and really put pressure on people to, again, not not advocate for candidates or, or even policies, but to try to mobilize people, you know, who didn't want to lose their health coverage. It's a pretty basic idea and probably something a lot of foundations and grantees are doing, um, but probably can do a little bit more systematically across issues. Right, and and thinking about um, who our our Congress people are listening to, they're listening to the people in their district. Mm-hmm. And if foundations can help tell stories um, and lift up the stories from the people in those critical districts, that is such an important opportunity where you can get congress people listening mm-hmm. um and and so the the storytelling aspect that foundations can play um in these these key districts is a really really important one yeah and obviously there are a lot of lines that people who are more um attuned to laws than we are <laughs> tell us what foundations can and can't do and everyone listening probably knows better than we do but there is a lot you can do you know mm-hmm. um and storytelling is so important because it does put a human face on um, issues that people might otherwise find not as urgent or they, they might not feel like they touch their lives directly or they might just not feel them emotionally until they see a, a human who's who's been through that. Yeah. Um, and I think we saw that a lot with the healthcare mm-hmm. uh, conversation is is actually putting these, these people in the picture with um, the challenges that they're facing and if you can model that as a foundation and help equip your grantees who may be on the ground and more in in tune with these stories it's a really powerful thing yeah and i think we um and we do a lot of storytelling trainings and also developing stories for for clients um including some healthcare and and education related stuff but the the real keys there are as veronica said putting people in the picture and making sure that there's a a relatable and and you know empathetic sort of um main character who has agency in their own lives we we often i think in Advocacy and philanthropy paint people as um, with what we'd call like a deficit mindset and show them as poor or vulnerable or um, other kind of demographic um, categories when like showing them as being hardworking people who stand to lose healthcare coverage is a really, that's just a much more powerful um, picture. Mm-hmm. And also to be able to tell stories that, that stand out against a lot of these negative portrayals of, uh, say, loss of health care, as we're talking about, to be able to tell the story of the positive impact um, mm-hmm. is also a great way to get above the fray and get people to listen to your message because you're excited for somebody cheering for someone um, and, and telling a, a positive vision of what's possible. And so the the next big thing we were talking about um, in this medium um, piece was just continuing to pursue goals. And, and this is more focused on pushing good policy, not trying to, to counter bad policy, but mm-hmm. pushing those goals at the state and local levels. Um, that's a conversation that we're having much more often now, because for a lot of issues, the, the federal government is just, it's not a realistic 
path for policy, um, progressive policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that um, that I remember working with the Energy Foundation, which is one of the biggest clean energy funders, was just the the progress that they were able to make um, pushing toward a clean energy economy at the state and local levels, um, renewable energy standards, and, and some of those things that probably didn't have you know, the possibility of being passed in D.C. as federal law, but um, starting with, you know, the most progressive states and and moving on from there. But even states like Michigan, where, um, you know, there's concern about about the economy and about energy. Um, So I thought that was something to think about and how other issues can be. Funders who are working on other issues can learn from that. I know some of our work in California on education and health, that's that's sort of the forefront of for push, continuing to make progress on, on especially children's issues, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so working with the Packard Foundation and their early learning and, and health programs, children, families, and communities program, they um, are, most, most of their work is based in California, though they, they do do some national policy work. Um, they have been really leaning into the... Um, the work that they can do in California, which of course is um, full of progressive opportunities, mm-hmm. but I think what they've also noticed is their role now as a model for other states. And so taking that responsibility seriously to show what's possible at the state level and lifting that up for other states and advocates in other states that are paying attention. Yeah, and there's, um, there's such a, I think, um, opportunity We've seen a lot through the sanctuary cities sort of debate um, back to the kind of immigration conversation that cities and and mayors um, and some states, I think, but mostly cities and mayors have stood up and said, we're, you know, we're going to continue to be to be sanctuary cities or whatever. Um, But also that other other issues can probably have similar progress and looking at them more as sort of experimental and, and as laboratories to try new things mm-hmm. um, to make local progress on climate change or education or other things. Yeah, and an interesting role that foundations can play, particularly those who are working at a national level, is share that learning mm-hmm. where something, you know, a message or a concept or story, a story angle is working particularly well in one space to, to share that and connect grantees to, um, to help lift up that learning and so it can be translated across yeah yeah that's a great point and that's a big part of um i think uh, the opportunity for foundations and and grantees to collaborate to share share learning and and figure out what works in order to to continue to replicate that in other areas and other issues yeah um it's a it's a powerful thing i think the convening power of foundations because um maybe even more now seeing foundations leaning into this responsibility of driving a particular narrative and wanting to take a stand and tell their grantees this is what we're working toward let's come together and and do it with the force of all of us um uh, something really important that they can do even more so is you've got people on the ground and doing the work the next piece that of advice that, that we have um learning from from some work is countering negative narratives with positive ones. So this is something we spend a lot of time um, thinking about and talking about um, changing narratives. And the where this comes from is, you know, the the whole um, conversation about any issue really is about a narrative. And, and the way we think about it 
Um, there are narratives that people have, you know, already in their heads about immigrants or about education or about climate change, and we need to understand those and often counter those um, where they're where they're negative to the issues we care about with with positive ones. Um, in our first um, in our first episode, we talked about the work we did to drive a new narrative on marriage equality, and the 2000, in 2008 we worked with um, with the foundation to counter the narrative about the financial crisis, which at the time a lot of the conversation was about um, the people who were in over their heads who got houses that were too big and got mortgages that were too big, and that's what caused the financial crisis when really it was, you know, what I think the message we ended up delivering and talked about fast-talking mortgage brokers and and um, and speculators who, who were really the cause, and that kind of helped reframe the narrative in a, in a lot of ways. And that's something we're talking about around a lot of issues, but that's a really important one is to understand what that narrative is and then try to figure out how to change it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of the importance of that is just really understanding and unpacking what the narratives are in people's heads right now. So listening to people, I think that's been a big, uh, from you know everybody on this podcast has yeah. mentioned the yeah. um, trying trying to really understand um, America as a whole and what frames people are bringing to to issues and so that we can activate some of those other narratives and bring that in to help lift um, you know, immigrants for example up as as hardworking Americans um, and counter some of the challenging narratives that get in the way. Yeah, and we have a, there's a lot of negative narratives out there, and um, especially it seems like they're getting more negative um, as as we go. So we have to continue to to fight the negative with the positive where we can, and and try to um, counter those narratives where we can. So the next idea we wanted to share was to support watchdogs. So this is a little bit um, more in the weeds, but something an important role that advocacy organizations can can play. Um, and foundations can fund, obviously, is to um, engage with the rulemaking process. Um, all regulations, and there's been there's been a lot of talk about different regulations, and obviously some of this policy is complex, but um, all regulations have a sort of um, a rulemaking process, public comment process. There's ways for for individuals, but also organizations can try and to try and um, counter bad policy. Um, one example that we, we cited was um, the Department of Labor's fiduciary rule, which re- requires financial advisors to act in the best interest of their clients. Um, and, you know, that is a, an interesting piece of policy that I think is being attempted to be um, rolled back. And, you know, even though they're complex and even though it's, it's a complicated thing, it's a, it's a really interesting and, and really important kind of opening for people to, um, to try and influence the conversation. Yeah, and an an opening, too, for foundations to think more broadly about what role they do play, where kind of traditional grant making maybe has been um, the the way that they've been taking action and, you know, putting the the trust in the grantees that are taking taking on the work, but leaning more into this, some of those more systemic challenges that Mm -hmm. ultimately impact their their mission and if the mission is to help 
um, help people lead a better life and have um, kind of the financial assets to do so, this is something that gets in the way. Um, that you know, if you're rolling back this uh, fiduciary rule, um, that it it gets in the way, and that can be a new opportunity for foundations to help advance their missions um, in kind of creative, interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something to think about. And, and of course, with all this, we welcome people's comments and feedback and, and other um, lessons that, that we could share with, with our listeners. The last one we wanted to, to talk about was the idea of partnering with business. And um, this is particularly important, I think, for two reasons. One is that this is, um, I think, a, a, an administration that listens to business probably more than more than administrations in the past, or at least that that is the um, idea and the intent. Um, but also because business can be, you know, part of the change in in terms of climate. Particularly, I think that's where we've seen the most, um, where even Exxon, um, but also GE and others have said that you know climate change is real. We need to do something about it, and we're gonna we're gonna actually as companies try and um, you know try and make a difference. And I think we've seen a little bit of that on. A lot of the issues we work on, mm-hmm. um, almost all of the issues actually have some sort of like business leader kind of component. But this is really, as opposed to typically where the business leader would be the influencer of policy or maybe the person who would help help um, influence a decision maker. This is kind of business as an actor for for change. I don't know any thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's a a good point that it's not just business leaders as a way to get the administration to listen, um, but they are the implementers. And as we're talking about all these other opportunities and avenues for change that are beyond just the the political, um, where there's so many frustrations and hangups in that, um, that business is a really exciting and important way where you can, I mean, for with um, Packard's early learning program, for example, working with businesses to help equip them to support families to offer childcare and then be mm-hmm. a model for, for other businesses and help telling that story. Um, even if that isn't necessarily le- leading to some policy change, it's advancing that goal and another really important kind of avenue to, to do so. Nice. So we hope that that's, this has been helpful. Um, these six ideas, and like I said, we'll, we'll link to the, the original piece we wrote. We encourage people to send us emails and thoughts, um, reactions. Um, and also, um, you know, send us thoughts on, on the podcast generally. Um, we hope you like what you're hearing. Um, before we wrap up, Veronica, if you had to leave a, a foundation communicator with one sort of insight or idea um, to to create more impact in communications, what would that be? My favorite piece of advice always is putting people in the picture um, and don't get caught up in the the nastiness or, or the rhetoric um, and focus on the vision that, that you're trying to make possible and um, and tell that story. Um, find find those people and, and lift them up in, in all the ways that you can. Thanks for joining the podcast. It was fun. Sure thing. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Achieve Great Things. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give us a review there. Um, shoot us an email at podcast at hadaway.com if you have thoughts, suggestions, comments. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. 
We face, therefore, a moral crisis as a country and a people. It cannot be met by repressive police action. It cannot be left to increase demonstrations in the streets. It cannot be quieted by token moves or talk. It is a time to act in the Congress, in your state and local legislative body, and above all, in all of our daily lives.